Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator. My guest today is Shelly Negalo. Shelly is an advocate for women, relationships, and families. For over 30 years, she has been mentoring and teaching women through one-on-one -on -one private sessions tailored to their personal and professional growth. She also developed and teaches the life-changing Power of Women seminars throughout the United States which trains women in creating extraordinary results and trust the fire back on their lives. So turns the fire back in their lives. Shelly says, it is your birthright to live your life with focus, passion, and purpose, and more joy and love. It brings you to an experience of freedom, so you have the quality of life we all seek. Welcome, Shelly. Thank you so much. Dr. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. You have had a very long history of helping women and families uh, in over 30 years. Yes. But that's not where you started. So tell me a little bit about, you know, where you started, where you grew up. How did you get to where you were at? Oh, my heavens. It is quite a story, and I'll make it as short as possible. Uh, I actually grew up in Philadelphia. And... Uh, I grew up in a home that was a very difficult home life. Uh, family was, we were full of uh, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse in our family. And I grew up with one sister, another sister came along later on when I was 16. So it was a very uh, difficult family. And in the middle of my teens, I realized that we were essentially recreating issues from one generation to the next. And how I realized that was through my dear uncle, who told me that his family life was very similar to mine. And he and my mother were brother and sister. So it scared me. I didn't want to have those issues in my family when I had children one day. And so I started my journey uh, in my little later teens. I was looking for how to heal my life. How do you create a life that works for you? And you don't know how. And that was the journey. And I tried all kinds of things on for size. I did all kinds of personal uh, growth work, seminars. And I also was very attracted to body work, not counseling, mm -hmm. not psychological work, but something experiential within myself. I was always attracted to that. And eventually came to an experience of change that was so profound for me that the women in my community started to ask me what I had learned and what I was discovering. And out of that came the Power of Women Seminar, mm -hmm. my private sessions with women mm -hmm. across the country, mm -hmm. and also the work that I do with my husband in Relationship Mastery Seminars and the coaching we do for couples and individuals. So it's been quite a long ride and very exciting work and very rewarding. Yes. And, and it's exactly what I was looking for, uh -huh. that experience of change so that it became permanent change. Wow, and that you you do so many things at this point. Yes, I do. <laughs> so many areas cover so many areas. So, um, tell me about the secret. What did you find out? Age thirteen, trying all these things, and then you found it, and you started teaching other women. What were you teaching them? I mean, I, I know you can't give a whole seminar. <laughs> I wish <laughs> two, I could. Two minutes, but I wish I what, could. What you know when you said oh, come to my seminar. What were the women coming for? What is there? You know how women are so good at, uh, at handling everybody else and taking care of everything else in their lives, but really not good at including themselves. Mm -hmm. It's difficult for women. We're not trained that way. We're trained as mm -hmm. the consummate nurturers of everybody else, yeah. no matter what role we're playing. And it doesn't occur to us that it's important to include ourselves. So what I begin to train women in is that you must include yourself. We're the gift. We're the ones supporting everybody else and everything else we do. So without us being clear, who's going to model what's possible for our children, for our families, for the people we interact with? And so for me, it's crucial. And what I teach is step-by-step step how to make those changes from the inside so that it becomes permanent change. It's physical, mental, and emotional, 
ultimately spiritual, but people have their beliefs about life, however mm -hmm. they believe. Mm -hmm. And what most people report back is that they have an expanded awareness of God or the universe, however they believe about it, out of the work that they've done with Power Woman in my private session. So the key is actually going in within yourself and letting go of whatever your limitations are. That doesn't mean it all has to be handled today. Right. No, you're getting out. Think it could be. No, it's not possible. Uh -huh. it's, it's, it's completely not so. It takes a little while to create new pathways in the brain mm -hmm. to change the behavior, whatever that might be. And by the way, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It's a complete misunderstanding. You know, because a lot of women in the beginning are a little fearful. Oh my goodness, what do I what am I going to uncover? And the truth of it is, is still uncover whatever is needed as you go, as you're creating what you want in the world. You know, and discovering what you're passionate about. How many women really live their lives out of their true passion? There aren't so many. I don't think there's so many. No. Yeah. And so it's very important for us to feel good in our skin, to feel whole with who we are as people. And that's what I teach. But it's a step-by-step -step method so that women can access it and use the experience and create the experience for themselves over and over again so that, again, it becomes permanent change like muscle memory mm -hmm. you know it's memory within your system of who you are and i'm just as you were talking i was the question i was thinking of is when women come to your um trainings how many of them actually know what they actually want or who they are because i know i was a single parent um everything was for the kids, you know, providing for the kids, making sure. sure the kids were taken care of, making sure the house was taken care of, the bills are paid. And at the end of the day, when do you have time to even think about what you want? So when they come to your trainings, do most women actually even know what they want at that point? Or that well, sometimes it's as simple as, gee, I just want peace for myself. I want some peace in my life. I want to have a little joy. I mean, so it can be that simple to begin with. Mm -hmm. Because as they go through the weekend, for instance, for Power of Woman, mm -hmm. or they do my coaching, it will evolve over time. It will become more and more clear, and they'll become very masterful at the experience. By the time they're done with Power of Woman, they have a very profound connection with themselves. And then using it in the world, because that's the critical piece, is moving, mm -hmm. using it in the world yeah. to create the results you want. It's nice to feel good for the moment, mm -hmm. but then what are you going to do with it? Right. That's the most important thing. So there is an advanced power of women and mm -hmm. of course advanced coaching sessions so that the women learn how to take the experience of change within themselves and then use it in the world and produce the results they really want to have. Yes. And then is there certain, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, habits? Certain things that you say, okay, this is the morning routine, or this is this is something you can do every day to remind yourself to stay on purpose. Yes, I call them life tools. And they're tools that are interdirected, that support you in your focus, so that you stay true to yourself, not all of your circumstances. Because we define our lives by our circumstances. <laughs> yes, yes you're we do. We do. I am, because... Whatever is urgent, it's like, oh, I have to go take care of that. That's right. And you lose your focus. And I, at least I do. <laughs> I think goes, it's true for I, most people. I go off and I run yes. to whatever it is that needs to be handled. I mean, if the kids, they get up on the counter, they're about to fall, you run and grab the kids. That's right. So, and, it, and then you just don't, at the end of the day, you look back and go, what exactly did I do today? Now, you might have supported a lot of other people. But you still feel like there's a big missing, and the missing is you. Yes. In the piece, in the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's not going to give you any satisfaction. No. No. That's no. just it. You get to the end of the day, and you think, oh, I, I lost those minutes. Because to me, time is always ticking. <laughs> so you've lost those minutes, but was there anything memorable in it? Or was, like you said, where's the... 
Where's the meaning? Where's the, where's the satisfaction? satisfaction? Yes, and there isn't any satisfaction when you're running and doing and for everybody else and everything else. I think that doesn't mean you're not going to do those things. But you learn how to focus in a different way so that you don't feel like you're missing. And there's also a slowing down because when we're rushed all the time, we can't, we don't feel connected inside with ourselves. And we're always pushing and we're always making it happen for everybody else and everything else we're doing. So if we're pushing, it's not a possibility. It just isn't. So learning to create the outcome with whatever you're doing with ease is most important. That, that requires that each person must learn how to slow down. And it's a slow down inside because that's far into how we live our lives. Yes, as you're saying that, there's a piece of me uh, fighting and saying, I can't slow down. I can't slow down. I'm going as fast as I can and I'm not getting things done. Exactly. So, but you so can't how do, do I it. slow down and get it done? But the dilemma is you're going to burn out. Yes. And in my former career, you know, I've been doing this work for 30 years. In my former career, I was an executive recruiter. So I was only as good as my deal that was in front of me. And then I was number one in my company. I had to be, you know, and in the top 10 out of 2,500 across the country in this huge That's company. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. But you know what? I pushed myself almost deaf. I mean, I pushed myself so hard. I had a physical breakdown because I had been working so hard and pushing so hard. For what? It was the illusion or the perception of what I thought I needed in my life. You know, I had all the lovely cars, the house, the trips, the things for my children mm -hmm. I wanted, send it sent them to some private schools. Mm -hmm. uh, it all was very nice, except I wasn't in the picture. I was missing in action because I was pushed too hard and couldn't appreciate any of it. That, that makes sense. And when you say that, I think about like the, the surgeons I know. Oh, um, yes. I'm, I'm an optometrist, but we work a lot with um, you know surgeons who do eye surgery. And many of them are the best at what they do, they're making amazing so amount of money, and they send their wife and kids on vacation, and they're still home working. <laughs> they don't, they're not enjoying life. That's and, right. And I don't know about anybody life. else, but I don't want to live like that. No, and it comes a point where your body can't take it anymore, mm -hmm. which I learned, of course, in a pretty young age. Uh, but some people don't get it until they're much older, if they ever get it. And so learning, like we go, we're committed to going to the gym to exercise. Mm -hmm. You must be committed to exercise those muscles that are already there. You already are who you are. Yes. But learning to use it so that you're effective in the world and not giving yourself up and having the quality of life you really want to have. I think that's most important. I, I do. Yeah. And, um, as people, um, you know, women are looking at themselves and saying, what is my passion? What is one of the first things you ask them to look at when they're trying to figure out, okay, I've been taking care of people for years. I don't even know what I, what I would like. <laughs> how, how do you get them started on that? Where do they go to find that? Inside, obviously, but where do they go to find that? That's a very good question. Uh, first of all, when they come to a Power of Woman seminar, I simply say to them, let's start with the simplest. Let's start with you are discovering what it means to have some peace or to have some joy or to just to start to slow yourself down mm -hmm. and have some calm in your life. What does it feel like when you actually go through very specific exercises that are built one on the other. Mm -hmm. They're all internally driven. Mm -hmm. They're meditative in nature, but they're not meditation. Yeah. Okay. So they're internally driven so that you can really feel your life, your connection with yourself. And then as far as the passion itself goes, in an advanced class, one of the advanced classes that I teach, I ask women, okay, if you had everything taken care of, all the money that you needed, all the things in your life you needed. Life is really good for you. 
what would you be creating in the world? What would you be doing? You know, what would it be to perhaps support others? And what would it look like? And it's okay to have tears come to your eyes if it moves you that deep. Mm -hmm. And women start to come up with some incredible ideas for their lives. And then my next question is, what are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if you're waiting for the right time or the right money, or I didn't wait for the right money to start on my path, to start to train women. Mm -hmm. If I'd waited for the right amount of money, I've been, been waiting a long time. And I've been across the country training women all over the country. Mm -hmm. So there's no function with money. has no function with time. Mm -hmm. It has to do with what are you really committed to? no matter what. Yeah. What are you really going to do for your life? And stand true to yourself. Because you're, mm -hmm. if you're backing down off of yourself, you're also not being a good role model for your children and oh, for the yeah. relationship. Yeah. It's not possible because it doesn't occur there. The kids can't do enough good deeds and have enough A's on the report cards to feel good in their skin. I know that for sure. I used to be a pretty straight A student for most of my my education. So that's not it either. And if we're pushing ourselves and showing our kids that the way you get and get through life is to push and drive yourself crazy half the time, that's what they're learning. It's a little scary, isn't it? Yes. I don't know how we make it in you know on the planet the way we operate sometimes, but we do in spite of ourselves. Yeah. And what you were saying just set me so far off that I forgot the question I was going to ask okay. next. <laughs> but, um, but you're right. The commitment is most important to the quality of one's life. And you have to want it badly. You know, I had reasons that I wanted it badly. I was in a lot of turmoil inside from the crazy life I was leading as a child. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so that got me going. But not all people have that kind of background. But we all have something. We're human. We all have something. We all have something, and we're on the planet, and we're on the planet for a fairly short time. We may as well make the best of it, mm -hmm. the best for ourselves and the people that we impact. Yeah, and I remember the question now. So, and, and part of this I'm asking for myself, sure. too, is um, I know there's been things that I want to do, and it takes me for ever to launch you know is it fear maybe is it that i keep getting distracted from the things on the side what have you found as you work with women what is it that once they know what their passion is they know what they want to do then they don't launch old ways of operating right mm -hmm. old ways of thinking about whether you're good enough enough or worthy enough one woman said to me today in an earlier meeting that she didn't feel that she was worthy of supporting others in a particular manner. And some of us feel that way. And no matter how much we accomplish, it's still not good enough, right? Yeah. And that certainly was me making an enormous amount of money, still not feeling good enough, and I was always as good as that deal. This doesn't make sense when you look at it on the outside. So releasing the perceptions of life is very, very important. We all have it rigged in a particular way. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's a little different. But really, we are set up internally very similarly, as much as we want to be different from others. How we react to things is the same, really. Yes. So it can be taught in a similar manner. Now, everybody will respond a little differently, mm -hmm. and their issues might be a little different, but we're really the same in many, many ways. Makes sense. So we actually, I would have to do something different to change my mindset or the automation mm -hmm. of my yes. uh, reaction or what I do every day. So exactly. If I eat dinner at six o'clock every day, if I want to change something or make something else happen, I maybe change the time or change what I ate or I have to change something. But you're looking at the external versus what you do for something internally. Okay. And when you're when you're working with the internal, it takes a little while 
for those neurological pathways to change so that it becomes permanent. But as you practice, mm -hmm. you will experience the changes for sure, in fact, very rapidly. Now, over time, it'll become just like you're moving your arm. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, it seems a little foreign simply because you're focusing a little differently. But it's not difficult. There is some rigorousness mm -hmm. simply because we're not used to it. That's it. And that makes sense. And it's like learning anything new. When you're learning something new, you're really concentrating. That's right. You're really concentrating, and then after a while, it just it's automatic, and you just do it. That's right. So. Yes. Yeah. The questions I want to ask. Um, talk a little bit about um, commitment and personal responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Commitment has to do with the quality of life you want to create. Are you going to be at the effect of your circumstances? Or are you going to choose to create your life on purpose? Mm -hmm. And there is a whole fundamental shift that must occur. And that's, of course, the steps that I teach in the Power of Women seminar and, of course, in the private coaching. So, you know, I always ask women, well, what are you really committed to? You know, and they'll say, well, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the... But I know for sure that when women are committed, they will always have the time. They will always have the money. And they will make sure that they learn how to put themselves first. And that sounds like that's a, almost a sin to women. You don't ever put yourself first because that's, you know, that's something that we just don't do. That's selfish. Right, yeah. But don't you have to include yourself in order to have a successful life? It's your life after all. Who's going to do it? Only you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard it said that you need to love yourself first and then love everyone else because you can't love anyone else if you don't love you. Yes. Here's the dilemma with this because it sounds like there's something to do to love yourself. The truth of it is, is that we're already hardwired in unconditional love. But what happens is life occurs and we and the experience of that unconditional love gets covered over with the stuff we hold on to. So we already are unconditional love, hardwired in our bodies, in our vibration, in our experience, and everything and who we are. But then we forget. It's easy to forget when we're put up in life, right? Yeah, that makes sense. It's everybody having their own filters and experiences. Everybody has their own filters and experiences and judgments about whatever they judge. Yeah. We all have our judgments. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And um, talk a little bit more about getting clear about who you are. That too takes a commitment to the quality of one's life. You have to want to. Because if you don't want to, it's not going to work. You can go to as many classes as you think you need to. And I know a lot of women over the years that I've met that were seminar junkies, mm -hmm. that were junkies for healing various, using different modalities. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they still didn't feel good with themselves because they really weren't committed. It had them feel good because it kept them busy. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really have an experience within themselves of that connection. And so don't we all try to go on that journey for looking for something outside of ourselves? Yeah. And the truth of it is, it's inside all that stuff. Yeah. So we lock the feeling of it from ourselves just by looking outside of ourselves. So discovering who you are begins with, again, your commitment to the quality of your life. And then how do I release the, the things that limit me? The dilemma is you don't have to go and clear all those things up before you go on with living the life and the quality of life you want to lead. You go live the quality of life, and then I teach very specific life tools to let go of whatever comes up so that you have access at any time to releasing whatever has stopped you for that moment. You release it and get on with moving on with whatever you're up to. So you just go do it, and then you handle things. As, as they come, come up. up. That's much easier. Much easier. 
And, you know, when you're saying that I'm committed to the quality of my life no matter what, you're actually telling yourself inside it's okay to let go of whatever that has been in the way. So the stuff that's been there is naturally going to come up anyway to be released. And you don't have to be afraid of it. If it's coming up, it's, it's okay to let it go. And there's some very specific things to do to let it go. Not a problem. And I can say that for sure, having had the emotional, physical, and sexual trauma that I've had. So when I cleared it, well, I can clear it anybody clear it. The only difference between me and some others is that I practice and I've been committed to very long. Um, what are you passionate about? <laughs> I'm passionate about women healing. I'm passionate about supporting women in particular, but people in general, and having the life that they love. I want relationships to be whole and families to, to experience being whole and connected with each other. And have a quality of satisfaction and passion for being alive. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you more of a personal question. Sure. So you've been married 47 years. Yes, and I got married when I was two, I told you. And you that. were two. Yeah. So would you share how you met your husband and just a little bit of your journey of how you got to this critical point where you can teach other people what to do because there's so many divorces and people are in and so out of relationships many. and you know if it doesn't suit them they're just gone and yeah they just throw away yeah so tell me a little bit about how did you meet how did you make it through this long <laughs> well first of all we're true partners I, I think I mentioned that to you privately. Mm -hmm. And we discovered how to create a true partnership because neither of us came up in families that had that kind of relationship. Now, I was the one that had the most dilemma growing up. My husband had some as well, but not nearly what I did. And uh, I had a commitment a long time ago that I was going to find someone that I love deeply and vice versa. I did have that commitment. Uh, now, when Tom and I met, we met on a blind date. <laughs> blind date. <laughs> and as soon as he saw me, he knew he wanted to marry me. It was instantaneous for him. And the following weekend, because we commuted, uh, he was in New York and I was in Philadelphia. So we were coming back and forth to see each other. And that second weekend, I think I came to New York, he said that he wanted to marry me and I almost fell over. <laughs> But he was out of his mind. Yes. <laughs> it took me a little while to realize I was deeply in love with him. And I actually, went, if I had looked at it, I would have seen the signs from the very beginning, but I hadn't seen them at the time. Mm -hmm. I was caught up in my pictures of what I thought relationships should, would, could be, who knows what it was. Happily ever after, happily ever after was a big part of my life, all Disney years. You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun for a little while, but then it caused me a lot of problems. Because about two or three years into the marriage, and I was deeply in love with him from the very beginning, um, I kicked him off his horse. He was kind of bloody, being dragged by the horse oh, no. you know, in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of us do that. And he's still stuck with you. <laughs> he didn't leave right a lot for so 15 years in the marriage, uh, and I thought I was a very enlightened person at that point. I'd been doing all this personal development work, and, uh, and the marriage was failing. And I was at the top of my career at the time as an executive recruiter, and I thought Tom was the problem. Tom wasn't the problem. He had whatever issues he had. But I was the one projecting into the relationship things I'd never cleared with myself. Things from my childhood that I thought were weird. Well, I just had put them in a nice, neat package and put them to the side and hadn't noticed it. So when I woke up out of that dream, out of that perception, I said, well, if I made that mess, that I can unmake it and do something about it. And so we, we, we literally, we said we were going to stay in the marriage and work it out somehow, not knowing what we were going to do. And we tripped and fell quite a bit for the next <laughs> few years. But we came through this incredible experience of change, which I started to experience. 
Tom was watching me and he started to jump in too. And of course, as you know, he developed his work with men and the relationship work we do with someone. And uh, we stayed in it. And then the women started asking us, well, what do you have for relationships? Mm -hmm. We said, well, let's see, how do we recreate this relationship? And how do we create a true partnership? And we broke it down step by step by step. And that's exactly what we teach to the others. So you kind of reverse engineered what you had done so that you could teach it. Yeah. Broke it apart. And it worked. Mm -hmm. Brilliantly, actually. So when people come to your relationship seminars, <laughs> um, I bet you get the gamut. So there's some that are probably already doing well, but they want to do better. And there's probably some that are want to kill each other. Yes. In <laughs> fact, we've had some like that. Sometimes the women drag the men in when the men are sitting there going like this. Mm -hmm. Like, show me. Yes, I, I refuse to change. And it's pretty fun. Yeah. But, you know, I've had people like that and they've completely changed their lives. And they live incredible lives. So for me, it's again coming back to what are you committed to? Do you want to be right about who you are in your life and your relationship, or do you want to really have something extraordinary? You know, some quality of life that perhaps you've not been able to get to, or perhaps you want to expand on, as you said. Some people simply want to expand and have, a, have an even deeper connection and commitment with one another. And it doesn't have to be a heterosexual relationship. We've got plenty of gay people that come to our seminars. Mm -hmm. It's the same. It doesn't make any difference what the sexual orientation is, really. Yeah, yeah people are people. Probably any relationship. That's right. Your mom, your sister, your brother. Oh, yes, for sure. We work on that. And I, we work on that in the advanced class and power of women. We clear all those relationships. And even in power of women, we clear all of our sexual relationships. Because the women very often will say to me, oh, same man, different face. I keep having the same problem in the next relationship and the next relationship. And I said, well, when you come to Power Woman, we'll clear all of that history that you've had with all those people, whether it's one person or a thousand makes no difference. Because there's a disconnect inside. And then you unconsciously recreate the relationship in, with another person over and over again, because it hasn't been cleared out. Right. Who wants to have that same relationship over and over that wasn't working? But the women don't know any different. Mm -hmm. They try, they think, oh, I've got this new person. He's not doing this, he's not doing that. Right. And all of a sudden, they're paying for everything, uh, you know, and the man isn't doing anything. Yes. Or whatever the issue. Yes, somehow it still comes out the same. Different, <laughs> different face, different Same man, habits. different face. <laughs> Frustrating. I'm glad that you're helping women with this. <laughs> We're laughing about it, and we can laugh about it. But it, for some people, and of course, it's going to be some. There's going to be some pain there, but you got to let it go in order to create the new outcome, right? Exactly. You know, why would you hold on to it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to. And that, I'm thinking, you know, if you go from relationship to relationship, and you're bringing this hurt, hurt stuff with you, you're just hurting other people. Well, that's right, and especially who gets hurt are the children. Because the children don't know, and you know, and they're looking to you as the role model, and they really don't know. You know, and then they try to do the best they can, and they wind up making the same mistakes or more sometimes. Yeah. And um, you said at the beginning that when you were in your teens, you said, I don't want my family to continue in this role. When I have children, when I have a family, I didn't know. So what if there are people who, let's say they've, they've raised their children, maybe their kids are 20s or 30s or, and, more. or more, and they had patterns, they, they demonstrated patterns that they really wish they hadn't demonstrated. What How do, do they go that? back and heal that? Because they don't want their grandchildren to go through that, their great-grandchildren. How does, how do they? Not, it's not a problem. It sounds like it's a problem, but it really isn't. The most important thing is for each person to be whole with themselves. And you're demonstrating that wherever you are, with, with your children, with your husband, or 
partner, whomever it might be. Uh, you're demonstrating it with the children, even if, the grandchildren, even if they don't know about all that history. You know, they're seeing the love, they're seeing how you're joyful, you know, having a life that works for you. All our children really want for us is to be happy. That's really all they want. They don't know about the rest. They don't understand the suffering for most kids unless they've had difficult life like I did. Um, so you don't have to worry about trying to correct all that. Just relax with yourself. There are ways of releasing those relationships now. So if you're embroiled, let's say, with children, there are ways of releasing the children to have their own life. So you're not hooked to your kids for the rest of your life. It doesn't mean not love them and support them, but not being hooked to them. You know, there's a big difference. And boy, I've met so many women over the years that, you know, into their 50s, 60s, and 70s, they're still hooked to their kids. And the kids aren't standing tall in their own two feet. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Not to me, anyway. No, it cheats the children. Yes, it cheats the children. And the parents of having their time to, to, yeah. to create a life they like. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't really have to worry about all that. It sounds like it's a burden, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. And as you speak, I'm thinking about I have a granddaughter that's 10 months old. And that's great. I interact with her so differently than I inter interacted with my own kids. Sure. You know, it, well, first of all, everything's more relaxed. Yes. <laughs> but it's just a lot more um, letting go and allowing and just enjoying her. Whereas a parent, it seems like uh, I felt like I was putting judgment on myself. Like, hey, you gotta make sure they gotta dress this way. You gotta Make sure um, you know you discipline them this way, and all that's gone with the grandchildren. <laughs> all that's gone with the grandchildren. Yes, <laughs> and it's much more fun. Isn't it, it is. It is much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were talking earlier about you know, just doing something and then handling things along the way. So yes. How do you stay really focused? Well, you know, that's really interesting. I, everybody, of course, is raised a little differently. I tend to jump from thing to thing to thing. Uh, but that's good with me. Because I can focus on one thing, do whatever is needed. I do it rather fast. Mm -hmm. And then I'll jump to the next thing. Sometimes I'll have a list mm -hmm. of things that I want to accomplish and say that are very important. Mm -hmm. And then I'll handle the secondary things if, if I have to. But I just stay very tuned in to what is needed for whatever that action needs to be, or actions for that person, or for that service, or whatever it is that I'm interacting with. Uh, and uh, that's a training over time. I guess where I learned it was as an executive recruiter, because I was zeroing in on people and who they are, and how do I match them up with the uh, companies that I was uh, you know that I was engaged in and so it took me a little while but I started to get a natural rhythm with how I work and I tell you I like to, to do things very focused and then step away from it mm -hmm. and go do something else then I'll come back and do something really focused and step away from it I'm like go out I might go have dinner with Tom I might go and read for a little bit I might go do some stretching or whatever I do mm -hmm. and then come back to it again it just depends on the day. Every day is very different for me. But the focus is the same. It's like a laser for me. Yeah. Do it very rapidly because that's the way I move things. But some people, some people aren't that way. You have to discover what's your rhythm. But do it without the push. And that is a practice. How do you do it without the push? What is she even talking about? One of the things I will tell the audience today that we can we can leave them with is something quite simple. It's simply slowing down by breathing. Most of us hold on to our breath. Now, everyone you know who's done yoga or meditation, they have some form of breathing that they do. This is different than that. It's simply based on bringing as much oxygen into the body as you can. And it's simply this. You breathe into your mouth 
and you exhale through your mouth and you, you connect one breath to the other. So the breaths are always connected mm -hmm. and you do them very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna just demonstrate for a moment so the audience can get this. It, it sounds and it looks like this. And so on, back into inhale. Very, very slowly. Take your time. If you were to take, let's say, three to five minutes in between each thing that you're doing, let's mm -hmm. say you're going to a meeting, then the next thing you're scheduled some clients, or you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to go see a client, or you're going to talk to a client on the phone, or you're going to got, got to go to work for something or else. Mm -hmm. All right. So you breathe. Before you go in to do whatever that thing is, take a few minutes and slow yourself down so that you're not at the effect of your circumstances. You're starting to unhook from whatever that push is that you're used to pushing all the time. And you're starting to train your body in simply relaxing. And it's that simple, but it takes a bunch of vigorous training. It sounds like it would because when I, when I think about, okay, I gotta get this done, it's not, it's not that. It's intensely concentrating. It's not pushing forward. It's not using that kind um, of fear or that voice that says, hey, you gotta get this done. It's, it's, it's a survival kind of mechanism. Mm -hmm. But when you're relaxed, there's no survival no. in it. You're just being who you are. Yeah, and so learning how to not push is a train. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's a bunch of what I do in Power Woman, but it's not all about freedom. But that's one of the things we do simply because it's crucial in slowing down. And if you notice with yourself and if you're watching others, you'll notice that people aren't breathing. They're going from no. thing to thing to thing and they're holding their breath all day long. Very shallow breath if they're breathing, very shallow. So, that doesn't fuel you either. Yeah, and as you were talking about, you know, you're intensely concentrating on something, and then you take kind of like a little break, and then you intensely concentrate on something else. Differentiating from what so many women do, which is we multitask. We're, we're, we're talking on the phone, we're, we're putting away the dishes, and then we run over to pick up the child and we're just doing all these things at the same time. Sounds like we're real smart. <laughs> I don't call it so smart. Not that we aren't capable of it. Of course we are. But where again are you in the in the picture? Because we're so used to taking care of everything else that we're not including ourselves. So if you mm -hmm. slow it down, really are you really multi tasking it's one thing at a time that you're doing except you're doing it a thousand miles an hour yeah yeah and like you said you forget yourself because then you're not even in the present moment you're not even feeling not even close yourself <laughs> no not possible you even forget where you put your car keys and then you're going nuts <laughs> trying to find them yeah. you know things like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right one other question here um, tell me about being accountable for what you are going to produce. Being accountable is very important because if you're not responsible for your results, you, again, it's going to be, right? Mm -hmm. And accountable doesn't mean that there's pressure on you or a burden on you. It simply means that you're going to do whatever it takes, no matter what, not knowing what the no matter what is going to take. Going into the unknown. You have got to be in the unknown in order to experience your power. We already know what we know. Nobody's going to take it away from us. So being in the unknown is really the practice of your mastery. And that's exactly what I teach. Is how do you be in the unknown? So that you are even more successful because the more you get out of your way, the greater the result. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you a very brief story that mm -hmm. happened with my daughter when she was uh, turning 16. And uh, she was a straight-A student. She was on the basketball team in school. And uh, 
she had come to us and to my husband and me and said, um, Mom and Dad, I want to get a car. And, and this was years ago. So um, my initial reaction was, <clears throat> you know, any mother would feel that no matter what the circumstances, and even if it's been today, you're still going to have a bit of a reaction. Yeah. And uh, back then, it still wasn't prevalent for the children to be having cars at age 16. So we had just moved outside of the school area where she was taking the bus. And so that's why she was asking for the car. So how are we going to get back and forth? And we used our, our business address locally so we mm -hmm. could still have her be at the same school. Mm -hmm. But then we were having trouble because now we are on the road quite a bit with our work. How are we going to get, make sure she's taken care of? So my husband and I talked about, okay, well, uh, we're going to support her in having the car. So I went back to her and I said, okay, honey. Dad and I said, okay, you have a car. What are you going to do about it? Because in this day and age, we all think we have to buy our children the car or cars. Yeah. But that's not what we said. What are you going to do about it? Well, Mom, I'm going to go get myself a summer job. I'm going to put the money together. And then by the fall, I'm going to have a car. I'll be driving it to school. I said, okay, let us know what you need. Mm -hmm. And she got a job at the local Kroger. Mm -hmm. She put away about $2,000. And my son, in the meantime, who was very doubting at that time of his life, mm -hmm. He said, oh, sure, she's going to buy a hubcap with that. <laughs> and we were laughing to ourselves, so sure. Mm -hmm. But I know my daughter. Mm -hmm. So she saved her money. She did work at the, at the Kroger. She made a lot of money because she made a lot of money in tips, taking groceries out to the car. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so the time came, and she started looking for cars with her father. Okay, so she's looking at cars. She's trying cars on the side. She's trying new cars. Nothing is working for her. And after a couple of times, and I went with her one time, and I finally said to her, okay, what is it you want to have? Mm -hmm. She said, Mom, I want a car that's in really good shape. In fact, under warranty. Mm -hmm. I want it to have been driven by someone who, for whatever reason, had to let it go, but was, took great care of it. I want it to be blue, and I wanted to be driven to my driveway. Now, this was my 16-year-old. So she learned at a very young age what we are teaching. Mm -hmm. So about two weeks later, blue car, under warranty, had been taken, had actually been uh, was owned by someone who had moved to England. And she left her car with a dear friend who I knew. And I've been telling her that my daughter's looking for a car. And she sold it to my daughter for the down payment, and Adrian picked up the payment. And she got exactly what she wanted. And what happened? She got out of her way. She didn't think she couldn't. She was okay in the unknown. And she developed it herself. And years later, she said to me, you know, my friends, they're given these things. Their college is completely paid for. Now she put herself to college with both scholarship, so she didn't have to pay for anything. Uh, but you know, she she's had friends that are extremely wealthy, and uh, she says, "Mom, I've had to work for it." I said, "Yeah, that's what I know. Uh, how to create what I want." I said, "Yes, you do." <laughs> and that's the end of the story, and the most important part of the story. That is important, and. That is amazing that at 16 years old, she had that much clarity. Yes, and she's always looking at it that way. Yeah. What is she doing now? She's an account manager for a major, uh, major client, multi-million dollar uh, client. And uh, she manages the, uh, you know, the various sales for, I don't know the exact product that she sells, but sells into major companies. Right? Yeah. So, Shelly, what has given you the most joy fulfillment in your life? It's really supporting the women and being all that they can be in the world. I still get uh, Facebook messages and calls from people from time to time. 
and people who are totally turned on my book. Uh, I also love my family, love my grandchildren, love my husband, and love the ecstasy of being alive. I don't think there's anything else you can say. You know, we fill it with, with whatever is important for us. Right. Yes. So when you're not working with the women, you're just with your family, what are the simple things? Um, I know I had a fiance that died, and when he died, it was simple things like sitting next to the lake and talking, <laughs> going on date night. Those are the things I miss, or calling him at a certain time throughout the day. I miss those simple little things. It wasn't the big vacation or buying the new car. It was the little simple things like just talking. What are the simple things that really give you joy or that if they were gone, it's dissipated? <laughs> and, and I told you earlier that my life is all about simple. So it is, it is the simple things that are the most important to me. Sitting by the lake, reading a book, just simply being in the same room together and talking quietly about something, creating a new venture with whatever we're, uh, you know, engaged in now. We're doing some work in the business community. Uh, Tom's been working in the business community for years, and of course, I support women in business. But uh, this is a major thing that we're going to be doing in the business community, so we're very excited about that. So the simple things I love cooking. Mm -hmm. I like just having quiet. I like to sit by the pool occasionally when I get there. Love being with grandchildren. Probably not one of my biggest joys. Yeah. So it is all the very simple things. Because for me, uh, you can't take anything for granted when you've healed your life to a point where uh, you know you you worked so hard for that, and uh, and then. You know, not appreciating the quality of the simple things every day, that's the most important thing. That's what, that's what we live our life for. Not just going on a trip, as you say. Because right. that's just a fleeting moment. Mm -hmm. That's fun, but it's not every day. Right. Every day. Having that person, you know, Tom, in your case, next to you. That's right. And, and there for you. And and vice versa. That's mm -hmm. right. It's mm -hmm. two ways. Yeah. So share with me what you're doing now. Are, do you have any new events coming up? Or? Well, yes, actually. Tom and I are teaching uh, the Mastery of Conscious Self, which is a six-day incredible course. It's it's a power of creating course that will change how we live our lives forever. And it's going to be in Manassas, Virginia, October, I'm sorry, September the 30th to October the 5th. And uh, there is still room available for people who would like to sign up for that. I do have information if uh, they like to go to the website, which is mastery-cs.com, and we'll give all the information. Uh, the other thing is that there will be a Power of Women seminar scheduled uh, probably mid to later in the fall. Uh, and uh, that's a Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. So that will be scheduled very shortly within the next two weeks. And then, you know, you said Tom works alongside of you and he works with you in the relationship, but I know that he also does another special type of healing. Would you like to share that? Because you were sharing it with me and I, I thought there's no way I can explain it to someone else. So can you share with me what it is he does and the, the miraculous results he's getting with it? Oh, the miraculous results. Uh, the technique is called cellular energy releasing. He developed it over 30 years ago. He's done He's taking care of thousands of clients literally all over the country. And people find it. We don't do any major advertising. We don't. People tell other people. Uh, what this is, is a technique where you lay down on the massage table, like you're going for a massage. Mm -hmm. Except what Tom does is he actually can feel the place or places where you're holding whatever you're holding on to. 
uh, he can see in many cases uh, the life history of whatever it is that has created that holding in the body. Uh, and as and it feels like a deep to moderate pressure point kind of work. So as that energy is released or that experience, and I'm pushing like this on myself, mm -hmm. but it feels like a deep to moderate pressure point, but it's work, but it's not based on meridian lines. It's based on simply however you hold on to whatever you hold on to. And like our thumbprint, it's unique to us. So he clears those automatic reactions that we have in the body, those old ways of operating. He literally clears them out of the system and you are creating new neurological pathways as you have your sessions. Mm -hmm. And I say sessions because it happens over time, mm -hmm. although people will have immediate results. They'll start to feel more alive, more open, there was a woman years ago who was a massage therapist who came to us who had very difficult time standing upright because her spine had been fused in a number of different spots. She had terrible scoliosis as a child and it was awful. This is a massage therapist who was standing practically perpendicular to the floor. So when Tom was finished, well, he wasn't finished with her at that point, but at not, about nine months into seeing her about every six weeks or so, uh, she was standing almost straight. And she was developing new musculature and everything, and actually having a quality of life. It's extraordinary. Oh, yes. She called her the poster child of his learning. <laughs> but people who've had emotional problems, like, you know, me with, with the sexual abuse that I had, it's been cleared out of my system. I don't have it anymore. I don't have the reaction to all that past history. It just isn't there. And I've had many people who've had all kinds of emotional trauma, physical trauma, sexual abuse, and they cleared it out of their system. And they're freed up. They're free in their skin to live, have the quality of life they really want. All right, Nancy, you're telling me that. I'm Thinking about you know so many times we're just working on the brain, the mind. We think everything has to be cleared out of the mind. It's actually not so. Yes. Well, if you think you, about you it, you totally bypass the mind with that. The, touching on the body, you're using the body. The, the body, body. The body will handle the thinking, the emotions, the whole thing. When you get to the source of how it's held in the body, we're physical first, and then we've created all these systems to become. You know to be human beings mm -hmm. so we have trained ourselves in our thinking and what our mind is all about but really it's only a little teeny tiny part of who we are as human beings and you sure do get that when you're working in the body the way cellular energy releasing works and when you come to Tom you change forever it's extraordinary to watch the changes so that is wonderful. So, <laughs> and it's the foundation for much, much of what I teach because mm -hmm. I've gone through those deep changes myself. Yes. Now I'm not doing, you know, I'm not having people lay on a massage table, but I have the experience of change within myself, and so that's what I'm teaching. And as I was thinking about what you do, what Tom does, I thought, boy, if you come to to your seminars, you get two for one. <laughs> 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 you get all the wisdom from Shelly and from your combined wisdom and all his wisdom as a healer. What a deal. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> but more importantly, and I, I guess I would want to leave the audience with this, is what are you going to create? You know, quality of your life is so important. And you're the only one who can say so. You can't live your life for your mother or your father or for your siblings or for your husband or your partner in life. You can't. You have to live it for yourself. You're the only one that can grant you that gift. After all, it's yours. So I say claim it. Strut your stuff, you know, have the quality of life you say you want to have and live it fully without any reservation. Thank you so much, Shelly, for being on my show. And thank you for 
what you're contributing to women, but just all people, like your relationship seminars, the, the work you did on yourself that now you can share with other people. And just thank you so much and good luck on your journey as you continue on. Thank you so much, Dr. Bennett. And thank you so much for what you're doing for the women to let them know what's possible for their lives. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely.